Hi guys, uh, Craig here. I just wanted to acknowledge current events. Uh, I know that no one comes here for our thoughts on social activism and civil rights protest. I am middle-aged, born and raised in the South, and I burst into flames if I'm not wearing SPF 1000 sunblock. So I get that I'm not the go-to person for this, but I didn't want silence to be taken as us not caring. So Kia, Jeff, and I are following the ongoing protests closely, and uh, we support them a thousand percent. Sidebar, I also really strongly support taking down all the Confederate monuments that are all over uh, our state of Tennessee and a lot of the South. I think all the arguments for keeping them are extremely pitiful and weak, so take them down. Anyway, um... If you want to donate or learn more about uh, the ongoing efforts, um, I have a pinned link on my social media at Four Color Craig. That's uh, on IG and Twitter at Four Color Craig. And this link has a roundup of organizations that can kind of get you started if you want to donate or learn more, or figure out where you can. Uh, join in on protest. Also, uh, guys, if, if you find yourself uh, maybe kind of confused or out of the loop with these protests, um, or you find yourself kind of disagreeing with them, um, and more importantly, if you find yourself uh, agreeing with stuff like, hey, Martin Luther King never had to riot, or Blue Lives Matter too, or all lives matter. If you find yourself doing those things or agreeing with those things, there are some easily accessed documentaries that will bring you up to speed and help you understand uh, what's going on and what got us to this point. On Amazon Prime, there's this really good documentary about James Baldwin called I Am Not Your Negro. On Netflix, there's Ava DuVernay's uh, 13th, uh, which kind of goes into policing and prisons uh, here in our country. And if you don't have any streaming services, or maybe if you're really, really short on time, on YouTube, uh, there's Dave Chappelle's 846, which will bring you up to speed really quick in like 30 minutes about what's going on right now. Because guys, if you... If you think you don't agree with this stuff, you still need to take the time to kind of learn about it and try to have some empathy and try to at least understand it. Anyway, thanks for listening and stay safe out there, guys. All right. Have you never wanted to do anything that was dangerous? Where should we be if nobody tried to find out what lies beyond you never wanted to look beyond the clouds and the stars or to know what causes the trees to bud and what changes a darkness into light. But if you talk like that, people call you crazy. Well, if I could discover just one of these things, what eternity is, for example, I wouldn't care if they did think I was crazy. Are you 
Welcome, Jeff. Welcome, Craig. <laughs> what am I supposed welcome, to say? <laughs> welcome to Frankenpod, Jeff. Thanks. Glad to be here. That's right. Jeff and I are doing a small spinoff of Half-Ass Horrorcast. A side quill. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Uh, concurrent podcast that will be in the feed of Half-Ass Horrorcast called Frankenpod. That's right. All things Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, I think I predict that we will probably talk uh, at least a movie or a TV show, something those uh, in that kind of field. And then maybe special topics. We want to talk about toys, uh, commercials, any kind of Frankenstein-esque topic we can think of. So it'll be a grab bag of fun. Oh, yeah. And fun-sized. <laughs> yes. So, Jeff, uh, this is probably a uh, ground we've covered in the past, but why don't you tell us... How you feel about Frankenstein? I love Frankenstein. Thanks. At, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> as, as an artist, do you think it's one of your most drawn characters? Um, I'd say he's easily top three for sure. Really? Like, yeah. Who, like, who comes out? Who comes out ahead? Well, I mean, I've just drawn Spider Man a lot, and guys like that over my lifetime but yeah. uh just definitely in recent years frankenstein's monster has been the number one most drawn or painted character i've done what's well, what you you got me into drawing on an ipad and uh that's my go-to thing like if i can't think of uh, anything to draw or if i'm stuck i'm just like oh, i don't draw frankenstein and it's yeah. like easily a weekly thing, if not more at this point. So it's just, just a cool figure. So, yeah, there's something about that. The look of that character, he just looks really cool to me. Hmm. I love the, well, particularly the, the, the universal monsters version, you know, with the flat top and the green skin and the, uh, the sport coat (laughs) with the black (laughs) t-shirt underneath. Yeah. Very iconic. And, like we've talked about before, it's very Halloween iconography. I mean, every Halloween oh, you yeah. see Frankenstein stuff. And um, I guess we should just go ahead and put it out there that uh, we'll probably, when we say Frankenstein, we're referring to the monster. We'll probably want right. to slow down to say Frankenstein's monster every time. Yeah. In fact, we'll probably go the opposite direction and say Dr. Frankenstein or Victor Frankenstein when we're talking about the the titular actual Frankenstein, well, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like <laughs> otherwise, we're talking about the monster. So, or in the the uh, the original Universal movie, it was uh, Henry Frankenstein. They changed his name for some reason. Yeah, it's really bizarre because in the book, it's Victor Frankenstein, and his best friend is named Henry. And for some <laughs> reason, they flipped it around for the uh, Universal Studios uh, film version. I have no idea why. Maybe they thought yeah. Henry was a friendlier name than Victor. Victor sounds very, you know, it sounds like someone that's, uh, I think, a Vic- Victor Von Doom, you know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. it, 
it seems like with a lot of the things that they changed for that movie, they just changed it just to change it. Because there was there's other characters that have like they just switched names of characters and stuff, and I was like, what was really what was the point of that? <laughs> well, but, and famously, there's not a hunchback in the novel Frankenstein, right. and obviously they they add uh, Fritz. But we're not talking about. <laughs> The 1931 Frankenstein by James Well. No, no. We chose a different film to start us off. That's right. The original. Yeah. We went to the very beginning, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to talk about the Edison Kinetogram. How do you say that? Kinogram? Kinetogram? Kinetogram? Is it? There you go. That makes much more sense. Kinetogram. Yeah. Um, so the Edison Company made a silent film back in the day. This is all the way back in 1910. It's directed by J. Dolly and produced by Thomas Edison. And uh, it only has three people in it. <laughs> the, whole, the whole short <laughs> film, there's only three characters. We have uh, Dr. Frankenstein, the monster, and uh, Elizabeth, his, his bride. So, mm. And it's very short. It's, only, it's like less than 15 minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's literally 14 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's readily available on YouTube. It's it's obviously uh, public domain, and it's it was originally uh, thought to be a lost film. Uh, mm. It's kind of like uh, was it London After Midnight with yeah. Lon Chaney, mm-hmm. where uh, people there's images and people know it exists, but up until very recently, they thought um, this film was totally uh, lost. But a collector came forward in the '70s with a copy of it. So <laughs> he, he did. Apparently, he didn't realize how rare it was. He just had it like in his collection. And was all like, "Oh, I didn't know." And the, oh, wow. so it's been restored. And so yeah, you can check it out. Jeff, what was your uh, your impression of Frankenstein 1910? It was it was very different from what I'm used to. Uh, he has some kind of like, and you know, like. We all know the the famous imagery of Frankenstein, where it's uh, the laboratory, and he's got him on the slab, and it you know he gets a you know the raises him up to the roof, and the the, oh, yeah. the lightning hits him and everything. But in this, he had, there's like the, the Jacob's ladders and right. like all the electricity, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Electricity cool is like such a big stuff. part of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in this, it's almost like he has like a a a monster making oven or something like <laughs> yeah <laughs> where he uh he reverse burns him like it, you know what i mean like sure. it, it kind of looked he, like he kinda... a, what do you call it uh where you oh i'm having a brain fart what's it called when you burn someone after they've died <laughs> oh uh cremation right it's like a reverse cremation look yeah so well, in, in, in all fairness to uh, the filmmakers in 1910, uh, the book doesn't really get into the specifics of how they make the monster. Like Dr. Frankenstein, you know, it's, it's kind of like a journal entry. And basically he's like, I don't want to give you the secrets of how I did this because I don't want anyone to do, you know, this abomination or whatever. Right. Um, so it's really up to your imagination how you want that to happen. Um, and they choose to do kind of alchemy, right? It's not really scientific. It seems to be kind of like uh, almost like magical or um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of esoteric, I guess. I like it though. It's a. Uh, I mean, especially for the time, it's very. Uh, you know, they kind of had to work with what they had. You know, it was sure over a hundred. It was one hundred and ten years ago. So 
Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's also a weird thing. Like when I watch films this old, I'm just thinking like, wow, this was over a hundred years ago. Like these people have been dead for decades, you know. And oh, sure. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just it's, like a morbid thing to think, but <laughs> it well, is. It's crazy. Though. It's crazy too. Like watching it. Like I was taken aback by how much film language grows over the next ten or twenty years because mm-hmm. it is literally like they just it's basically a stage play and they film a stage play they don't punch in for close-ups uh it doesn't cut around the camera never moves it's Mm -hmm. literally just it shows a little set and it's like i I think there's what two different sets in the entire movie right it's basically like a bedroom set and a um laboratory set Mm -hmm. and uh, it's very static (laughs) you know what i mean it's, it's, it's just wild how much things change so quick you know yeah, I noticed that too. I, I was watching it and thinking, like, what is it about this that makes it look so old? And I was like, the the it's the camera movement. There's none at yeah. all. There's no camera movement, or, uh, and like you said, there's no close-ups or anything. So it's really it's interesting to see how different filmmaking was back, you know, when it was first invented, basically. Yeah. Well, and the the title cards are really sparse too because they don't really do dialogue that much. It's more like the title card will, will go up and basically tell you what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then it plays out. It's almost like spoilers, you know, before it even happens or whatever. Right. It's, it's really interesting. It kind of sets, I, I guess, gets you ready for what you're going to see so you can interpret it because obviously there's no dialogue to kind of lead you through. So Right. And the version that I saw that on YouTube, it was, uh, they do that thing where they change the color of the picture mm-hmm. as it goes. And... I'm not, I don't really like that. So I just turned my TV to black and white <laughs> so I could just watch it all in black and white. Cause, uh, I, I, I guess that's a thing. I, I guess, um, maybe, maybe you were the one who told me a long time ago that that's just something that they used to do back then. Like they would put different color gels over the projector and stuff to change the colors. It's supposed to uh, denote uh, a lot of times what time of day it is or, mm-hmm. you know, like a blue filter will be nighttime and a yellow filter will be broad daylight and so on and so on. And oh. sometimes it gives you like a, a feeling if it's red, you know, obviously it's something maybe violent or passionate or, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. it, they were always deliberate choices. And I, apparently it was in like the notes uh, along with like the music cues and stuff like that for... <laughs> whoever's presenting the movie to kind of, you know, portray it that way. So, huh. um, but I hear you cause I kind of feel that way about Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, another really famous horror movie, the silent movie. I kind of like how it looks black and white versus the filters. Um, it's just an aesthetic thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I've... What do you think of the monster in this? Um, it's he's it's unusual. It's very different from any other kind of version you've ever seen. Uh, it's he's got like this black and white face paint on, uh, which mm. it, when you watch it in the film, it's not even really as noticeable. I I kind of mostly know it from just looking up pictures online because you know the picture's kind of low quality, uh, just because of the age of it. I, I guess I don't know. I think he looks kind of he looks pretty cool. You know, he's got that long kind of hair. He looks like uh, he looks like a guy who would be in a band almost, <laughs> like in a rock band. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's kind of got those shroud. Not, or, yeah, I guess like, you know, almost like mummy type shrouds around his legs. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what they were going for exactly, because like you said, they, he kind of materializes out of nowhere. So mm-hmm. he probably shouldn't even be wearing clothes. Um, 
<laughs> but it's kind of weird that they're like bandages and whatnot. Um, yeah. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Got to work with what you got, I guess. <laughs> what? I did think it was funny, uh, you know, you think of modern filmmakers, like how Scorsese or George Lucas, like they pay homage to like The Searchers and stuff like that in their movies, or like Tarantino does so many homages in his movies. Um, even in this little, like barely, like movies are barely even a thing, even back in 1910, they're doing homages because uh, there's, a, there's a sequence where um, Dr. Frankenstein passes out and he's like laying on his bed and the monster kind of emerges from the from the shadows over over his bed, you know, over the sleeping Victor. Yeah. And uh, it looks just like that painting, The Nightmare, where there's like a woman laying on a bed and there's like a little demon like on top of her or whatever. Oh, it looks, yeah. It looks really, really close to that imagery. And I just wonder, I mean, maybe that's just coincidence, but it seemed like a very deliberate choice. I don't <laughs> know if you're, are you pulling it up right now? Yeah, I'm Googling it. Oh, yeah, yeah I've seen this painting yeah. before. Yeah. It sort of like it, uh, depicts that, uh, what do you call it, like sleep paralysis or whatever, where yeah, it feels yeah. like there's some kind of like a creature on your chest. And I think that's kind of what they were going for a little bit, because Victor, the Dr. Frankenstein was kind of in that, that pose of sprawled out like on his bed, and then slowly you just see, you know, this thing that he made um, yeah. <laughs> kind of stalking in. So, What did, what did you think of the, the look of the creature? It's always striking whenever you see someone go away from the Universal Monsters version. Mm-hmm. And even me knowing, like, I'm a pretty big fan of the book by Mary Shelley or whatever. And I know logically that the monster looks nothing like how Boris Karloff looks in Frankenstein. I mean, they, they look totally different. But still, for some reason, that's my... To me, that's that's where it all starts. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's really strange to see a totally different take on it. And the wild-eyed presentation, I think, is kind of strange, too. Like, he's very, yeah. like, <laughs> like, he's <Yeah. laughs> very, like, daffy from Gremlins 2, you know, that type of character. Um, yeah. And when you look at him, at pictures of him online, like, where you can see a little more detail on his face, he, <laughs> he, he's, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't look scary. He looks more kind of silly where, you know, he's, he's. The picture I have pulled up right now, he looks like he's kind of making this sound, sure. you know, like, um, I think they were going for maybe mentally disturbed, like that sort of vibe is because I think they were trying to be scary. I don't, I don't think it was supposed to be humorous, right. you know, but to us, it just looks, yeah, you know, it just hasn't aged well or whatever. We should say too, that it says the first title card says this is a, a liberal, uh, adaptation or whatever. I think they're, <laughs> they're very honest about the fact that they're like skipping over a ton yeah. of details, and, and it's just a very—it's like a vignette of right. w- what the book does, because uh, it's so short. I mean, <laughs> he just Frankenstein literally makes, or Doctor Frankenstein literally makes the monster. He passes out, he recoups, and he's like going to get married. The monster shows up and terrorizes him, and it just kind of ends. Yeah. Like it doesn't really. It, it, what did you make of the resolution? I didn't really understand what happened, to be honest. I didn't either. It was he was like in the mirror or something. Like he went into the mirror. Was that what I? I is that what happened? <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, it kind of implied that maybe uh, Doctor Frankenstein like overcame the fear of the monster, and that was enough. I guess, and it just kind of ends happy. I, I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It made me think, like, uh, you know, this is very early uh, filmmaking. It was almost as if they were like, 
hey, we can make a movie. Like, what, do we, what should we make a movie of? I don't know. Uh, I was just reading Frankenstein. Have you read that? We should do something with that. You know, it's just like, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, let's throw something together. Like, almost like if you and I got together one afternoon and was like, uh, you want to hang out? Yeah, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's uh, let's make a little video, you know? <laughs> it almost kind of makes me think of that. But, I mean, I'm sure there was probably way more planning involved than that. But uh. I don't know. It's it's pretty close. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's weird, too, like, that Thomas Edison is so well-known for being an innovator and uh, electricity is kind of his, like, bedrock, right? Mm-hmm. It is weird that he didn't that there no one thought to do kind of a um what eventually happens with the 1931 version of electricity bringing the monster to life and everything you think that would have been more integral to it with Thomas Edison kind of yeah. having a finger in it you know um or even just more industrial revolution style makings you know what i mean like just uh gears and cranks and steam yeah. you just think something would would have to do with it but no it's just like you said almost like an easy bake oven situation uh yeah the monster maker yeah <laughs> yeah just kind of he's and he's got a little peephole that he can look in yeah <laughs> and watch it happen <laughs> and it's it's great though I, I always i love that uh dr frankenstein in this movie he's very excited in the beginning. He's like, this is good to be splendid. I love it. You know? Mm-hmm. And as soon as he sees it, it's freaky looking. He's like, Oh, uh, I will have none of it. And he just <laughs> he does this, the whole thing where he just passes out and, you know, becomes hysterical and everything. Yeah. Uh, he's like, Oh, that? this thing is gross. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it's funny that he's setting out to create life. He totally succeeds, <laughs> but just gets upset because it looks bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's, that's enough yeah. for him to be like, fuck this. Yeah, he's like, yeah. this doesn't look how I wanted it I thought it, it was going to be hot, <laughs> but no. I thought it was going to, um, like, wash my dishes for me or something. <laughs> I got to teach this thing like he's a baby? Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to be a fully formed adult when I made him. <laughs> Fuck him. I got to teach it how to talk? Oh, forget this. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a social worker, all right? I'm a doctor. <laughs> Fuck all this. I'm a doctor, not uh, a social worker. Uh, so where, where does this one stack up? Uh, how, how would you uh, how would you rate this guy? This classic <laughs> silent film of oh. a forgotten era. Uh, I don't I I don't know. I don't even know how to rate a <laughs> uh, a movie like this because you know it's not a it doesn't really feel like a movie. It feels you know yeah short film at best really. It's 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 actually really fair to say this isn't a movie. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like the DNA of what movies will become. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's like an ancestor of movies, basically. Um, but man, it's it's amazing that it survives. I yeah. mean, it's really cool that uh, Frankenstein goes back that far. I mean, it's just it, it, I don't know. It's something about that story captivated people. Yeah. I mean, since the very beginning, it's it's pretty cool. So. And by the time they made this movie, like the book was already pretty old. Uh, yeah, pushing a hundred almost. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely recommend people check it out though if they're a fan of horror and a fan of Frankenstein in particular. Yeah, I mean it's it's fourteen minutes. I mean, and it's yeah. just kind of a neat it's a neat footnote, and it's kind of a cool thing to kind of put that uh, feather in your cap and say that you've watched like maybe the oldest surviving horror film. So yeah, absolutely, um, it's definitely worth yeah. checking out. I mean, yeah. like you said, it's only. F- what 14 minutes long so it's not going to take up your afternoon or anything so (laughs) give it a look jeff and craig recommend frankenstein 1910 
Yes. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> uh, readily available on YouTube. It feels no emotion. I want you to get out of the water. It does not kill for pleasure. They spend half their lives looking for food and the other half eating it. They don't care what it is. And it has never singled out a specific human victim. It's not food he's after. Until now. Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine. Jaws. The Revenge. <laughs> this time, it's personal. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, July 17th at theaters everywhere. Hi, this is Lance Guest, and you're listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. Jeff, are there any Frankenstein topics you'd like to talk about or bring to the table? Well, I have several Frankenstein collectibles. Uh, I've... I accidentally like started a uh, Frankenstein collection. I didn't even mean to. I just kind of noticed one day I was looking around. I was like, I have a lot of Frankenstein stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm looking around trying to think of like, what's my favorite Frankenstein piece of memorabilia that I own? Mm. Um, I, I, you know, off the top of my, I, I just thought of this and now I can't even think of it, but, uh, off the top of my head, I would say uh, the Frankenstein Bank the, uh, that came out from Diamond Select a few years ago. They did like a whole line of Universal Monsters, but yeah. that, that one's probably my favorite because it, it's it's like a it's a cool. It looks like a decoration, like it's a it's a bust of uh, Frankenstein's monster from like the waist up, and he's got his hands out. And um, but I was it's, gonna uh, oh go ahead. No, I was just going to say I wish I had gotten that one because I have the Wolfman and Creature from the Black Lagoon, but somehow I didn't manage to pick up the Frankenstein figure because I really like that one. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I think they're out of production now, but uh, you may still be able to find some on eBay or something. But I was going to ask you, like, do you have a particular piece of Frankenstein memorabilia that is your favorite? I, I absolutely do. Mine would be. Universal Studios Frankenstein figure from Imperial. It was from the 1980s. My mom bought me uh, the full set that that she saw at uh, the drugstore. She would the pharmacy she would go to. They they, they were selling them. So it was uh, Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Mummy. And uh, Frankenstein is easily my favorite one of the group because his, his arms yeah. are like outstretched and his hands are really big and flat. Mm-hmm. And he, it was like a really cool character that you could like, they, they only have two points of articulation, I guess, because their arms could just go up and down. That's it. Otherwise right. they're fixed. But it was cool because Frankenstein, you could like have his arms outstretched, like the classic pose, mm-hmm. or you could kind of have him like bitch slap people because <laughs> he had like an open palm. So it was kind yeah. of a cool character to like, ah, you know, yeah. I have a lot of, you know, toys that kind of come in and out of my life or whatever. And, but uh, those Imperial figures I'll probably keep. Just forever. I, I can't imagine ever selling those. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I've had those since '86. So, oh wow, since I was a little kid, and uh, they've always been on display or up in my room somewhere, everywhere I've gone. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen those before, and they're really cool looking. And the the Frankenstein, there's there's like something about the style of the way those were made. They just look really cool. 
And they, even though like some of the proportions are a little weird on some of them, it, it kind of adds to the <laughs> charm of it. it, it Definitely. I yeah, I really love the way those things look. No, Frank's uh, hands are like down to his knees almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're very he's very long arms and everything. Um, it's it's a, it's a cool character. Um, I, was, I think they're. I think I still have them on display in my garage right now, like in my oh, nook yeah. or whatever. I thought I had them inside right now, but I think they're out there right now. So I actually ran across some pictures I took of those when you were still living with it. Uh, well, you weren't living with your grandparents, but you were at their old house. And yeah, I, yeah. I think that was the first time I had seen them. They were like on display in the kitchen, and I was like, oh, those are cool. And I took pictures of them. <laughs> First of all, do you have a favorite actor of the Universal Monster Frankenstein? Um, I mean, mine's mine's still Boris Karloff. I mean, I haven't. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't watched all of the Frankenstein movies. There's still, I still haven't seen House of Frankenstein, and I haven't seen all of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Uh, but I've, I've seen the other ones. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, well, uh, I've seen about how, half of them. House of Frankenstein is a is a banger. You 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 would like House of Frankenstein. It's a fun one. Yeah. It's really well done. I need um, to watch that one. Um, I th- I just recently f- finished uh, the Ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah, which is a unusual one. <laughs> Frank- <laughs> That's no. Go ahead. The Doctor's ghost shows up and convinces his son to <laughs> to bring the the monster back to life or not even be bring him back to life to like do some kind of brain transplant. Yes. So, it's a bizarre plot of putting yeah. uh, <laughs> a new, a new brain in the monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like that, the ghost of Frankenstein is the last time that uh, the monster is like a main character. Cause from there on out, he's basically on a table waiting to be revived. Um, uh, that's kind of what happens in house of Frankenstein, house of Dracula and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. He, hmm. He's like, not active until the end of the movie, basically. So, oh, okay. Um, that's why I think uh, people are really hard on Glenn Strange and how he portrays a monster, but um, he never really gets a chance to do anything. It's basically yeah. he's just sitting around until the last reel, and then he fights something, and that's the end of it. Um, I love the way Glenn Strange looks as Frankenstein. He, uh, the, definitely. He's got that very textured face. Which some of that is makeup, but some of it is just he was just old <laughs> or older, I guess. He had a very uh, craggy face. I mean, he has a lot yeah. of like um, dips and valleys and wrinkles and everything. Mm-hmm. It's also, uh, I, I think, honestly, I kind of like everybody that's played him in the mm-hmm. Universal <laughs> Monster movies. So I don't really have a favorite. It's kind of, I mean, I guess I go back to Boris, but. Uh, yeah, there was something about like he, I think he had, didn't he have like a dent- dentures or something and he took them out? And which made yeah. his his cheeks uh, sink in on one side, right? So I thought like that kind of gives him a, a bit of a a really interesting look, and he's kind of gaunt looking in the face, but well, he's really big and imposing. Well, in the original Frankenstein thirty one, he's uh, still a hungry actor too, so he has that sunken look is like very prominent. Mm-hmm. But by the time Bride of Frankenstein happens, he's had a lot of success. You can tell he's gained some weight. Yeah. So like even when he takes the uh, the partial denture out or whatever and has that sunken look, it doesn't really do as much as it used to if right. you compare how he looks in the two movies. But man, I love the continuity of those first two movies too. Like uh, the makeup effects, how oh, they yeah. show he's been burned. And then over the course of Bride of Frankenstein, 
the monster actually regenerates. He starts to heal, and you can see where things are kind of filling in and healing and everything. It's really neat. Yeah. Um, especially for that era. So the, those first three movies, I think, are really really good. The I love his I love his outfit or whatever in the third movie with that fuzzy oh, yeah. vest. I think that's that's such yeah. a cool look. I don't know what it is about it. I just really like it. There's definitely some kind of weird movie that happened in between Bride of Frankenstein and Son of Frankenstein. <laughs> there was, something happened where, you know, he gains the fursuit and yeah. Igor gets into the equation and becomes a friend of his and knows him. And uh, it's just kind of strange that this character <laughs> of Igor that has never been brought up before suddenly is like, yes, I know everything. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of yeah. like at the center of all this attention. So. He's like, I used to work for your father. It's like, you did? <laughs> I've never seen you before. <laughs> yeah, they, I feel like they didn't care that much about continuity back in those days. They were just like, sure. ah, whatever, just do another Frankenstein. Uh, hell, they didn't even have like TV for stuff to repeat on and everything. So, yeah. I mean, they, the likelihood of someone seeing the movie and remembering it well enough to criticize it is pretty slim so yeah yeah it's weird to think there was a time when people would make movies and think like no one will ever see this again well it'll play in the theater for a couple months and then it'll be gone and it'll be forgotten yeah (laughs) absolutely but here we are like you know nearly 100 years later and we're still talking about frankenstein well i guess it's been 90 years or 89 years since that's wild yeah pretty crazy Uh, how do you want to do you want to pick the next movie or the next thing we talk about um maybe we should just talk about the first universal movie or is there something like in between that or the 1910 movie and the universal that we should talk about I I don't know. I mean, if there is, I can always bring that to the table also. I mean, we could talk about the main movie and then as a footnote, we can go, oh, yeah, there was this thing in between um, if you want to. Yeah. Let's do it. So next episode will be Universal Monsters. We're going to go Frankenstein 31. Yeah. Original. Well, I'll say original. This 1910 was the original, I guess. But, like, yeah, the (laughs) 1931... Universal Monsters, Frankenstein. Yes, James Well Jam. Thanks for joining us for this Frankenstein mini pod. Join us again. We'll have, I don't know how many more of these we're going to do, but there's going to be at least one more. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll do a lot more because this is, you know, we're breaking new ground. Yeah. Figuring it out. And then the next few episodes will be movies we're really familiar with and have a lot to say about. So. Uh, it'll be a little bit more expanded yeah. and passionate. That's right. We'll be hard as fuck. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Farewell. It's alive! In the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be God. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at Horrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, HalfAssedHorrorcast.com. Horrorcast.com.